Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the Hotel series and the upcoming Pretty Ugly. With me today, as always, is Alison Martine, author of the Bourbon Books, Drinking Her Bourbon. And as you can see, this week we have no guests because it is our anniversary special. So cheers to everybody who's watching. Cheers to you, Allison. Cheers to Roman, who's behind the scenes, and Pam. Cheers to uh, my jewelry, Allison's sparkly dress. We went all out for you guys today. We figured we are never going to wear these things anywhere else. And today we can get away with it. I feel like I would wear these things, I, but I just haven't for a while because I'm like a house cat now and I just stay home. It's like a house on. cat with a rhinestone collar. Yeah. I, I, I took out my burlesque <laughs> box yes. and I'm like, okay, it's just like in there with body glitter. And I almost just like glittered all over. But I was just going to ask, why don't we get the body glitter? I was a little afraid that, like, the my ring light would make everything <laughs> so shiny. You would look like Guy Diamond from the Trolls movie, and that I have that's never probably not the that. effect. But we probably weren't going for that today. No, no. Mm-hmm. I think I, I often look like one of the trolls anyways. So, Is like, in the, the morning, it's the hair. It's the hair, yeah. It's when I have my hair in my writing bun, which is just, like, <laughs> a bun on top of my head. And depending on how red the hair is. In my cycle of zhuzh da pair, sometimes I could look troll like. Wow, my uh, littlest guy was running with a sparkler on 4th of July yelling, No troll left behind! So no he would troll. have been very happy with that. Oh, and Laura is wishing us a happy anniversary. Thank you, Laura. Oh, thank, thank you, for watching. You, Laura. Hey, and Kay hey. is saying the same thing. Happy first anniversary. You guys rock. Thank oh, you. Elisa says, Happy first anniversary, Vixens, Roman, and Pam. She got everybody. She got she's everybody. She stays for she's the end a, credits. She knows. She's a regular, so she knows. She's like, uh, I know the producer. I know the executive producer. Laura wants body glitter to come back. I'm going to cancel that right now. We're not doing the body glitter. We I mean, if Jen wants it where she is, it won't come into my house. <laughs> but everybody knows once glitter comes, it never leaves. It never leaves. Uh, we used to do the, a show at a theater, and we would, of course, use a lot of glitter because we were burlesque. And even years after, like every once in a while, like the people who own the theater will like snap a picture and they were like, it's still here because we used a very specific glitter. So I can attest to that. Um, also, thank you, everybody who just commented. Happy anniversary. Uh, I know we actually had some authors send in uh, some videos for us that I have not seen, but um, and Allison hasn't seen them. The only person who has seen them is Roman. So I believe he can cue up um, a little video montage for us. The first know, anniversary for Vox Vomitus. Uh, I was so honored to have been your inaugural guest on the podcast. And I wish you many, many more years to come. Happy anniversary, Vox Vomitus. You ladies are amazing. Hey, it's Tori Eldridge wishing Jennifer Ann Gordon and Allison Martine a happy first anniversary for their hilariously engaging Vox Vomitus. Congratulations, Jennifer and Allison and Vox Vomitus. This is Diane Zena, author of The All Night Sun, and I am so glad that you had me on your show when my debut novel came out last summer. 
my book came out during the pandemic, so I did something like 50 Zoom interviews in just a few months. But appearing on your show, where we talked about grief and flowers in the attic and who is which Wakefield twin from Sweet Valley High and about deep, dark, life-changing kinds of things, it was not only one of my favorite interviews of all time, but I laughed so hard and came out of there with new friends. I adore you, I adore the work you do, and how you connect writers and readers, and I am so happy for you. Oh, I'm gonna cry! <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't have played that near the beginning, because now I just want to go cry, but that was so amazing. Oh Thank you, gosh. authors. That was Lulu Casey, and then after that uh, was Madeline Miller, who is Madeline Martin. Martin. Martin and she's on a flight right now to France and yes. she is uh she took the time to do that before she hopped on a flight to France so thank you Madeline and then Tori Eldridge and then of course Diane at the end who has that looked very familiar to me it does she's got my screen but in with white I like it she Obviously, saw like your it. screen when she was on the show and she said I love that so she went and so you inspired her scream. I may you, have you inspired it, the teaching background. But I don't think it was, I don't think it, she would have maybe watched us later because Probably. unfortunately I remember Diane's interview and I loved Diane's interview, but I was physically the most uncomfortable for that interview. And I'll tell you why. So if anyone goes and watches the early videos, I have like a Hi. fireplace background. Oh, there's Lily. Lily's high and saying happy. Lily, thank, you. Thank, thank you. Thank you for, for being our first guest and <clears throat> love it. I, I was saying when, when we first started, I was filming out by my fireplace and eventually we moved into, I'm actually in a bedroom now, but this is a more contained space. So I don't have little people running in and out. And there was one episode before I had gotten this where I was using a green screen. I remember that, that was the episode. That was oh Diane's episode. And it was really uncomfortable because if I moved at all, my head disappeared or my hair disappeared. And yes. I just was like, if I do not move even a little bit, then hopefully I will still appear on the screen. And anyone who watches me knows I'm like part Muppet. So, so you get like not, a lot of movement. Yeah. I don't stay still very well. That was a very uncomfortable interview, but it was such an amazing interview. And I, she, I know Diane has watched the show since then. So perhaps she saw this and went, ah, Allison has a lovely screen. I, I, know, I know she saw it because when I saw her screen the first time, I said, Hey, that's Allison's screen. And she said, I know. And then she told everybody in the class she was teaching that she saw your screen and you inspired her. Amazon purchases, sometimes they're worth it. They are. I mean, mine is an Amazon purchase. It is a shower curtain. <laughs> I um, love this. It's a shower curtain. <laughs> it's a shower curtain. Uh, when we first started, I had a different shower curtain that looked um, like a bookshelf but it was like fuzzy and out of focus. So it looked like one of those like Olin Mills going to get your portrait taken at Sears. Stand and like still. stand real still. And like, awkwardly. Oh, awkwardly yeah. like. All right. <laughs> yes. Laura tells us green screens are difficult. Totally aware of the fact. And uh, I think that was also, it may not have been on our show. It may have been when we appeared on another show as game show hosts or game show contestants. Yes. I had my hair pulled back and I had a, a viewer comment that that was not a flattering hairstyle for me. And I love getting yeah. feedback. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I know, well, um, I know what I look like, like in real life. And Elisa says shower curtain for the win. 
I, I know it's actually a good hairstyle for me. I do look good, but with the green screen, it didn't work. So he was correct, but you know, I, I know everyone's trying to get me to up my game, which, which reminds me, my, my dad asked me a couple of days ago, who does my makeup for the show? And like, dad, do, you don't really think I'm a makeup artist. Do this, do makeup people. I don't know. I think that's the most dad <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, he would think that like a podcast is like our show is basically the today show. Oh, absolutely. And I sit there and hair and makeup for 20 minutes beforehand with a professional who, but I guess it just shows that, Hey, he's so used to me looking like a dumpster fire that when I'm not a dumpster fire, he knows professional help had to be involved. <laughs> well, I feel like especially so much. during this pandemic, like being glammed up, like having jewelry on and stuff or just like wearing, uh, nice clothes or at least a nice top like my mom when she sees me wearing a nice top she's just like oh you must be going on the computer is what she calls it she doesn't really understand what this is where we're going where we're going um but like she can tell right away if I'm like if my lipstick's a little bit darker and I'm wearing a necklace and a nice shirt she's just like oh you, you have to be fancy well, and being fancy during the pandemic has been kind of challenging. I know that, I don't know if we've talked about this before, right when we launched, but both of us launched our careers as published authors, either right before or right smack in the beginning of the pandemic. And I had to take my first author photo in my front yard on a cell phone that was going to go on a book. And I'm just thinking, okay, of all the times to not have access to have a friend come over and physically <laughs> style me or any of that, and maybe pose somewhere where I didn't have to worry about cropping out the garbage cans in the background. <laughs> you know, life's funny. You can't always time those things, and you just got to roll with the punches. And, Hi, oh, Brooke. and Brooke. Can you see her comment? You aren't wearing glasses. I can't. You just see that it's Brooke. Okay, she says, me and my mom love your pretty hair, Jennifer. Oh. See, they don't I think mean, you look like a troll. <laughs> I feel like it's like pretty from far away. Like, the further away I go, the better the hair is. But if I'm like really up close to the screen, you can see all the gray hair and you can see the right. fact that it's like just humid where I live. So it, it just like expands and contracts. And But you have the kind of hair that me growing up, that was always my goal because I did want to be Ariel the Little Mermaid. So red and curly. And I actually really have somewhere prom photos where that attempt didn't quite work because I have like color in shampoo and it, um, it deposited more in the lighter parts. So then when my hair went up, it was like, I had a little red crown. So I kind of looked like a demon. I'm not really <laughs> sure it worked, nice. but it was a little strange because it was like brownish, then blondish, and then a red circle on top. When I was in high school, actually before high school, I think junior high, I got a perm a couple times. Wait, Wait, you have curly hair. How do you get a perm on top of curly hair? Um, Because, like, my hair's kind of flat on top. And the perm wasn't really my idea. But it was, like, you know, the early-ish 90s. So big hair was still, like, a it was in. thing. It was in. You know, so I ended up with really huge hair. Yeah. I feel like we have to do another episode sometime where we just show, like, embarrassing photos. This like is where I, I pull the my mom is dead card and I don't know where any of those photos are. <laughs> okay, I do have some and some of them have probably been provided to me. If you look on Facebook, there are people who have tagged me in things from high school band days and maybe I'm only about this big in the photos. So if you 
if you kind of blur your eyes, I can pretend that isn't me. <laughs> but like the instrument shows, oh, bass clarinet, that's you. I'm like, oh. I have some like, glamour shots. Like I had a Mary Kay makeover. My mom used to sell the Mary Kay. I was going to say, I know your mom <laughs> used to sell Mary Kay. So you know what the Mary Kay makeover entails. But okay, honestly, I never got one because my mom did that when my sister and I were little and would get into her case and use it like finger paint, which was not the intended use. But she'd stop long before either one of us were old enough to wear makeup. I don't think I ever really learned how to put on makeup. I still really don't know how to put on makeup. It's yeah, mostly trial and error. Yeah, neither do I. Um, yeah, I remember I worked. Um, it was like I had a little job. I worked at Marshall's, and a woman came in, and she was a Mary Kay consultant. And I think she could see that, like, my makeup was like, <laughs> you needed help, a freaking mess. And she was <laughs> like, "Honey, I can help you." Uh, so it was like one of these things, and it was like all these different Mary Kay consultants, and we were in like a conference room at a hotel. And tons of people were getting made over. And then they like draped us in like weird fabrics and took photos. I have one that's, I'm like in a fake leather jacket, <laughs> fake leather jacket, like with the collar pop, like, but in my hair's humongous and I'm wearing like blue eyeshadow. That may be the most 90s story that ever did happen. It is the most early 90s thing that ever, ever happened. So, like, we don't all turn into Reese Witherspoon if they were like cool in the nineties. Like some of us are me. <laughs> Same. Um, so we we talk all the time and we are self professed dorks and nerds and um and awkward at times socially most of the time. Most of the time. Um but we've had to kind of get our crap together on this show because we've had to talk to people that we really really admire yeah what what it was the what interview were you the most nervous for am i allowed to actually answer this one yeah okay. yeah because i'll so, answer mine. so so backstory the backstory is why i was so nervous there was one and people may recall there was one time when we went back to back with guests and the yes. reason we went back to get back with guests is we thought one of our guests was unable to make it, that they were going to be canceling. And we brought in a guest last minute and then got word, okay, yes, the other guests can make it. I thought it was my fault that the guest canceled. I had been talking with the guest on social media privately. It was all very above board, but I just felt like, oh my God, I scared this guy away. He thinks we're ridiculous. He thinks <laughs> our show is going to, I don't know. Hurt his, ruin his career ruin his career and he but up until that point i thought oh annie's so sweet she says both of you are gorgeous inside and out and oh annie only knows how to say lovely amazing things so i will take that because it's so lovely to hear that but annie's, annie, so annie's one of our biggest cheerleaders yeah annie annie is so kind that i think that she would tell a potato how amazing and how chalk with carbohydrates they are and that their their eyes are lovely see i feel like <laughs> that is very true annie but she only speaks the truth because she's yes. also from chicago oh that's true she's also like italian <laughs> so i feel like, like she'll cut she, you she'll cut you <laughs> like she'll love you to death but like if you wrong her or mm -hmm. wrong somebody that she loves like don't mess with that i wouldn't want to be that person <laughs> So anyway, so you were very nervous. You thought yeah, you scared I, away. I was nervous. And because up until the point that I heard guest is not coming, I thought the, the banter we were having was friendly. And I hope 
making the guests more comfortable. So when they came on our show, they would have a pleasant experience. But afterwards, I remember telling you, I'm like, don't ever let me talk to guests beforehand. Just let me show up. And then it turned out to be to be fine. But on top of that, I mean, it was a good interview. But on top of that, that's also the one where I'm on the West Coast. For people who don't know, I'm in California. Jen is in New Hampshire. We have a three hour time difference. I always have natural light and I'm day drinking. But that also meant we were pushed back an hour. And this was middle of either November or early December. I lost light. So we watched me go from bright light to this little face. <laughs> it looked it good. Kind of it still looked good. But I just remember. And that was kind of exhausting, too, doing two yeah. episodes back to back. And I remember that. Because it was not your fault that the guests canceled. Because the guests didn't. It was didn't. all all a miscommunication between... Um, you know, so for people who are watching our show, sometimes we don't talk to the guests beforehand. We just talk to their people, their publicists. And, um, and sometimes they have more than one publicist. Sometimes they have a team. And, you know, just like anything, mistakes can happen. So one of the publicists, I believe, thought that the show wasn't happening. So she was like, no, he's not doing it. And I'm like, oh, crap. But that was how we met. Sean Cosby. Because Sean was our, I knew him on Facebook and I love Sean. And I thought maybe I can get Sean last minute. And this was like during the height of Blacktop Wasteland being the book that was everywhere always. It is the Zeitgeist book. And so, he stopped to talk to us in the middle of all that. I know. He was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Like, sure, I'll do it. Um, and I've had the pleasure of talking to Sean on another show that I co-host. And, and that was right after his new book, Razorblade Tears, sold to like Paramount. Uh, so I remember asking him, I was like, when are you going to be too big to come on one of my shows? <laughs> like, when is that going to happen? And he was so, so sweet. And he was like, it's never going to happen. And like, I just, I feel like our show, this podcast has given me so much. I know it's given you so much. It's like, but we, we've met the most amazing people. So Sean Cosby just being one of them. The guest who was on the show, off the show, on the show again was Simon Stevenson. And I know you loved his book. Yes. Yes. Um, his, his book, Set My Heart to Five. I just adored it. And every time I see him tweeting, I'm always retweeting for him because I still want everybody to go read this because that's kind of like my way of doing science fiction because it's science fiction that still has heart. And it yeah. isn't just like, hi, let's read this technical manual. I know. It's like space guns. Space guns. Guns in space. Guns in space. Space guns. Or space lasers. That's, that's not really my, my favorite thing, even though I, I will read all sorts of sci-fi, but the way he handled it was just Amazing. And I think that's one of the things about this show that I don't think I could have possibly anticipated is how much I would enjoy reading all these different books, including ones like Simon's is one that if I had not done this show and I had just seen it lying around, I of course would have grabbed it. I mean, there's a toaster on the front saying set my heart to five. There's no way I would have been able to resist that. That was like, this cover is designed for Allison in mind. I yes. And it was very minimalist and beautiful. That's totally my aesthetic. I know, I know I don't always see eye to eye with certain people on how a book should look and why there aren't naked people on the cover of my books. That, that is what it is. But his is definitely one I would have sought out and gotten. Um, but there are ones that I wouldn't have expected that I would have loved because it's not in my wheelhouse. And I've loved how this show has forced me out of my wheelhouse because I will admit in the very beginning, I didn't have a chance to read all the books and sometimes we didn't have them. 
but I've tried my best as we've gone on to read everybody's work so that I can have an informed conversation. And I know not all hosts want to, not all hosts can. And some of them are just like, oh, you know, I'll just talk about whatever. But I like to actually know not just what it says in their bio, but what their own words say and how I can respond to that and have a dialogue on that. And I think you learn so much about an an author by reading their work. Like, especially when you are lucky enough to read multiple books that they've yes written. So for that's example, rare that we've been able to do that. It has been rare. Um, Sometimes we've had debuts, so we can't because they've exactly. only put one out. Um, but we did have that chance um, with Josh Mallerman. And so that's the interview I was the most nervous for. Well, I feel like Mallerman and Paul <laughs> Tremblay, I was like equal equal scared well and just for people who don't necessarily know some of the guests are guests that because we are part of a larger network people who work in the network have uh, have basically made these connections happen and got these things signed up for us so some of these authors we've never heard of them but we heard hey they have a new book coming out or this is their debut and they're supposed to be really amazing and so we've gotten it and we've done the interview others put put a real fine point on it. Jen just likes to stalk because she already yeah, loves like, them yeah. and loves their work. <laughs> Trembley was one and Josh Mallerman was one. And these are ones that are basically, if you would have asked her name five authors, please let me interview them. They would have been Jennifer's wish list. I've and so I can understand why you yeah. would be like, I, I have been blessed with this show and we've interviewed so many amazing people and made so many good friends. But I got like four of my big top authors with Paul Tremblay, Josh Mallerman, Carol Goodman, and Wendy Webb. And all of them were ones that I just blindly reached out and said, I love you so much. I've read all of your books. Please come on my show. It has the word vomit in the title, you know? <laughs> and then they did for some it's like a, reason. It's like a hard sell when you're just like, we want to talk about word vomit. Can you please come on our show? But then sometimes I say, we can drink. That is sometimes a selling point. But to be honest, sometimes I've worried that that's been what some guests are worried about, either because they don't drink or because they think we're just going to get silly. Yeah. And, so like, we're yeah. not a drunk podcast. No, so and I, I think that's the confusion sure. because yeah. there are like drunk history and drunk yeah. this and that. And if anybody watches my drink carefully, the line doesn't go down that much. And some of that's ice melting, but I I have yet to be like, yes, I'm doing this completely drunk. (laughs) I usually tell people that we think of it like a literary happy hour, especially because like during the pandemic, we weren't going any place seeing people. And it's nice to like have a drink with my book wife, Allison. And so I, always say we have a cocktail drinks are optional yes not required and but uh, we but we did learn to start telling guests that in advance because a lot of times they'd be like oh you have a drink and then a minute before we've got to go live they run off to go get drinks too yeah they're like i can make a drink in this (laughs) and then they run off and then they come back they're like ready yeah i mean i think my favorite with that was and and this guest came prepared was the work that Mary Dixie Carter had to do to get a cup of wine because she was <laughs> yes. in a hotel room, not at home, because she was on a vacation with her family and is sitting at there with a wine going, I have wine in the hotel to myself where my children are in a splash park. Yeah. This is the life. 
this and that was alone. fabulous yeah was and fabulous. she was so cute because she was like i'm sorry it's in a paper cup like we're judging the paper cup we right? were not judging the paper cup and her book was so good i wish i would have forgiven her for anything she could have been drinking mad dog 2020 out of a paper bag yeah i was gonna say i would have forgiven her a paper bag at yeah. that point like, i would have forgiven her some boone's farm mm-hmm. yeah oh, boone's is good I know. Boone's got me through college. Just <laughs> well, maybe a little bit. No, I was I, I was drinking more Bloody Marys back then. Versus I was going to say Boone's Farm got me through high school. <laughs> I'm what, the is bad the st- one. what is the statute of limitations on underage drinking? I'm pretty sure well, no one cares. Yeah, no one cares. And no. I'm, trust me, it was a long time ago. <laughs> Oh, Annie says, I speak true. Chicago Sicilian. Jennifer, you're funny. I'm my other side, but I don't show it. Life is hard, so be nice. Yes. yes. And that is also very true. And we missed the comment, Lori, Lori Schoenfeld had said that the, getting the top four authors, that's just the dream. And it absolutely is. And I mean, I wanted to say thank you that you've been stalking these people because if you you're had welcome. them, well, <laughs> I, I feel like I know I sometimes feel like I'm a book evangelist in that there are books that I fall in love with and I just run around shoving them in people's hands. And this is now you're a book televangelist because you're able to be on here. And not only have you introduced everybody who gets to watch this to some of your favorite authors, but you've introduced me to them because, okay, yeah, I'll get around to reading them eventually. But when it's, oh, we're interviewing Paul Tremblay, you should probably go read Survivor Song so that you feel like you know what's going on. And then I go, Oh, now I see why you're in love with this author. And yeah, yeah this, that, this, like, this just they're just you. authors that are like, like automatic buys. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even need to know the plot. Mm-mm. But the second I hear about their book, I'm pre-ordering it. Okay. But now we've learned from Almakatsu that if somebody is changing their genre, don't get mad at them because you did an auto buy because she was getting mad with her, her thriller, her spy novel, Red Widow, when she's been writing like historical yeah. kind of, uh, fantastical supernatural fiction, and then people are like, This isn't, f- 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 yeah, they just wanted the deep yeah. part two, exactly. They like, wanted the deep part two, or they wanted the hunger part two, very, very hungry. And that know, was like, not, no, I'm hungry. hungry, yeah, hunger <laughs> too. <laughs> now I'm angry. Oh, and Terry, Hi, says, Terry, he says, Happy anniversary. Hi, Terry. I can see, I recognize people's um, icons, their thumbnail, yeah, then, like the words. Mm-mm. No, that's why I have these. So I was on a podcast the other day and somebody gave me, oh no, I wasn't on a podcast. I was on a committee meeting. Somebody gave me a tip on how to not get the glare on my glasses. So I mm. might try it. It involves taping yeah. paper all around your light. Well, this, can you see now? You can see the ring. Yeah. Versus, and now I'm turning it back away, if I can, and I don't have it facing me. But I also have daylight, so how much I actually need that, it's like reflected to reflected. It isn't as distracting, but what I tried to do it for photos or my one, my one TikTok video, <laughs> it was it was hard because I was using the, the thing in the ring light to hold my phone as I was doing unboxing of shot glasses, and I do not know what my life has come to. Yeah, um, <laughs> you at least have a TikTok video that has you in it. I have two TikTok videos. It's your dog. Uh, one is my dog and one is, oh, maybe I just have one. Maybe I didn't upload a second. I think <laughs> I, I uploaded. Is your other one your cat? No, I think no. the second one is like from that Reface app and it's the Cersei Lannister walk of shame. When they're yes. like, shame, shame, but it's my face on like, so. Is it the yeah. nude? It's, yeah. 
but you don't see anything. <laughs> oh, okay. But it, it is that moment. Spoiler alert for people. Spoiler alert. For a show that's been off the air now for a couple of years. And you that was see last Cersei season. naked. <laughs> or her body double, because I'm pretty sure double. that wasn't Lena Headley. No. So, no. It, it um, so, yeah, that's my claim to TikTok fame. I don't, I know I need to learn it. I know I need to, like, say the words book talk. Yes. Or, or hashtag it. I'm, I'm hashtag still learning it. all of that. I, you sometimes will see Laura Jacko comment here. She is, she is my younger, cooler friend who is also my hairstylist. She is not responsible for this. I need a haircut. Um, but she is the one who's walked me through how to use it. So I am very grateful for people like her who are able to walk me through things that this very old brain does not know how to do, like technology. But even if I was younger, I still, I'm not a techno person. So anything where it's like, you've got to do this, then this, and then there's five steps later, you lost me at step one. Yeah. Like I see these videos that are like super cute where people are like pointing up mm-hmm. and then there's like text and then there's like, or they like throw a, a sock at the screen and then like a, a sock a, or like, you know, like they throw like fabric at the screen and then all of a sudden okay. they're in a different outfit and there's like... Well, hip music happening yeah and i've seen things like that and sometimes you'll see one where it's multiple people and they're like and it's like i'm handing you the drink and then it looks like you're taking the drink i don't know how to do any of that i know that seems like a lot for me to handle emotionally like like i I just don't think i could do it but i do like going on tiktok to watch animal videos and instagram reels like i follow a lot of amazing pets on instagram and amazing authors, but I feel like my... Mostly pets. It's like 50-50, or I think. Josh Mellerman's ducks. Love Josh Mellerman's <laughs> ducks. I mean, that... So, Josh Mellerman was, for me, like... It, it was like, he was Mount Everest. Because not only do I love all of his books... Do you want to climb him? Uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> he did. Uh, his fiance is so beautiful. And her name is Allison. I know. That book dedication was not to me. But I love, um, like, Josh Mallerman, I stalk not because, just because of his writing, but also because of his pets. And he takes pictures of, like, ducks that swim in their pool. And he's got great dogs. So it was just, like, it checked off, like, everything that I really like in a, in a human. Like, you're a very talented author. You love ducks. Your list is not that long, then. I know. I was like, oh, I think... Books, ducks, done. Books, books and ducks. <laughs> well, and I just, I also just like being able to say, okay, now that I've read some of the person's work and talked to them and seeing how those two things work together, I don't think we've had a single guest on where even if I didn't get a chance to read their book, I didn't go, now I want to read their book yeah. because I had such a great time talking to them. Because I know a few of them we've had come out so close to their debut and we didn't get an art copy for whatever reason. I know that sometimes we've been given advanced copies and sometimes we haven't. And it's just been like, I know I didn't get to read Sean's book because we booked him like the day before. So I I don't read it fast. I'm sorry. It's like 10 minutes before the show. (laughs) Exactly. But it's been so amazing to get to add these to my repertoire of like, Oh, what kind of books do you read? And if you would have asked me three years ago, I would have been like, I only read science fiction, occasionally fantasy. Right. And whatever Carl Hyacin does, which is like satire, but that's like all I would do. And now I feel like it's made me obviously a better and more well-rounded reader, but also I feel like it's helped my writing because I don't, I don't feel like I'm wedded to one area of like, these are all the tropes we use and I draw in more things and not that I'm like ripping off anything we read, but I feel like just even stylistically. And I think some of my favorites, and I know some of yours too, are these authors who are like, 
what are genre boundaries and who cares? And I feel like that is like what I take away from like almost every episode. I'm just like, oh, I just love the fact that we have authors on the show, like the Matt Ruffs, Mm -hmm. the Josh Mallermans, uh, the Alma Katsus, so many of them that really do Madeline Martin does like different genres, Tori Eldridge, different genres, Mm -hmm. like, and I love that so much. And I love the fact that they're not stopping themselves Mm -hmm. from going, you know what, I'm going to write like, like a domestic drama, like, Mm -hmm. You know, so Matt Ruff, so famous, wrote Lovecraft Country, but he also wrote Set My House in Order, Mm -hmm. which is like a love story about people who have multiple personality disorder. Which is very different from Lovecraft Country. I know. It's just so, I love, it's so inspiring to me because it makes me, when I make maybe questionable literary choices within my own work, I go, no, that's, it's fine. I'm just like pushing my boundaries. It's always good to reframe it as pushing my boundaries versus I have no idea what I'm doing. Sometimes it's both. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's like you're walking a tightrope of I'm pushing my boundaries and I don't know how to write blankety blank genre. Words. Words. I don't know how to write words. Or so you and I are constantly writing. We're always working on things. We're working on things that we can't talk about really and we work on things that we can talk about um so i'm like closing in on seventy thousand words of a i can't talk about it project but then the other morning i do this very early morning writing um circle with diane zina who everybody saw in the video she was amazing and all of a sudden like these two characters who are not in the book i'm supposed to be working on started like talking to me and I don't know what I've done but I think I might have started another book or a novella but I so I think I believe in signs from the universe today um my agent Paula Munier I was gonna say if Paula's watching she's gonna be mad if you're writing another book she's on a deadline she's not watching this (laughs) she is writing her book right now Um, but she works for a website called career authors and one of the articles and she shared it today was how to manage multiple manuscripts like ways to work on two books at once and as authors we have to do that more than we think we do because we're usually more than we want to yeah because sometimes we're you know editing a book right like final edits on a book, but starting something new or we're on podcasts actively promoting a book, mm-hmm. but it's not that, what we're writing right now. Right. Which was written like several years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Who was I back when I, I remember that book vaguely? I know. Like I remember the book, but like sometimes I, I feel like I don't remember who I was. <laughs> then it's been a long pandemic people. Yes. It's been a long pandemic. So it, it's a great article. I'll share it with you. But it's yeah, a definitely career link author. It. Put, it, yes. put it in the comments here for anyone who's watching it too to I be able know. to do that. Because I know that we were saying the different things we can and can't talk about. I mean, I, I can kind of talk about what's going on with mine. I just can't get into huge details. But I have started a new project because the, the project I had been working on and kind of going back and forth on 
has made its way to an editor, but it's still only a partial project. So if I get word, hey, that editor would like more, I'm going to need to return to that. But in the meantime, I finally started the fourth in the in the bourbon books. Yay, which it's one of those things where I wrote a little bit of it on New Year's Day, because same thing happened where I was I was literally in the shower, and a scene came to me and I had no choice but to finish my shower and go write it down, even though I knew at that time, I wasn't ready to write another book, I had to finish um at that point i was going to be doing the final edits on move on melinda so like you were saying okay we're we're doing one thing but we're editing this i was adding another scene to that but i wasn't really ready to do a new project and then when i was done with that i needed to get back into my my am hubbard my literary sci-fi stuff so it wasn't until this point where i'm like okay the editor has papers they have some chapters whether they want more we shall see and i'm kind of waiting to hear back on that before i pour more of my brain into that and now i'm like okay let's do some bourbon because my brain needs it yeah my brain brain needs bourbon (laughs) my brain needs bourbon um yeah so i'm writing i can't really like I can't talk too much about it, but I keep telling people I am writing, actively writing a project that is not horror. Mm-hmm. So I can say that it is still. Is that all you're allowed? I mean, like I know more because we talk, but I'm like, how much are you allowed to? I don't know. I mean, I don't even really want to talk like genre. No, but I don't even really know the genre. It's a love story with unicorns. <laughs> it's definitely that, but the unicorns are me. Okay, I'd read that too. I'm like, oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Write that down. Keep that for later. Well, this is, it's this funny is that we just thing. did that because that, <laughs> the book I'm writing, the 70,000 words started. You, as you told me a joke. And I said, to that's you. actually good. I know. You said that has and then legs. You, and then when you talked, and what, uh, the one they liked is the one that started as a joke. So be careful what you joke about because that might be your next novel. Yes. So I know, made a joke to Allison. She said that that could work. That's and, and then that's that funny, in my head, I was like, hmm. oh, that, that could kind of work. And then um, I was talking to the person who is now my agent, Paula Munier, and she was like, okay, pitch me three ideas. And I really only had two fully formed ideas. So I pitched and those <laughs> and then the joke. And so that Lo and behold, friend, she I, likes the joke. Yeah, the second I like said the title, she was just like that. I don't even care what it is. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I feel like that's. And I know I want to say that Neil Gaiman's American God started as just a title. Like he had nothing else but that. So look, one little kernel can grow to be so much. I am the new Neil Gaiman. Said no one ever. (laughs) Okay. Elisa asks, what are some of the funniest, weirdest, or most surprising Vox interview memories you have from this first year? Um. Honestly, I loved when we were talking to James Rollins and he got like a call on his landline in the (laughs) middle of the interview because like we're human people and this happens and like the answering machine picked up and you can hear it's like, and then there's like a message that's like garbling in the background and it's James Rollins. He sold like, you know, a billion uh, books, a billion books. Mm -hmm. And that's another interview I was very nervous for. Yeah. I think that was my first, the first one that I was really nervous about because I think that was the first author that we interviewed that I knew beforehand that I'm like, I know I've read one of his books and I went and read another one beforehand just to make sure. And I'm like, Oh yes. And I've also read Amazonia, but I hadn't remembered that when we started because 
I'm not as good with my Goodreads records as I'd like to be. So I know I was nervous talking to him because I'm going like, why did why did he agree to be on our show? But he, he was amazing. He was he so, was so sweet and mm-hmm. kind. And I just remember and he's a veterinarian. He's so a veterinarian. So it, it checked off my ducks box. Ducks and books. Ducks and books. Um, and yeah, and he was so kind. And I just remember we'd had some pretty big names, but he was at that time like. One of those people that I was like, how is this happening? Like, why is he only doing five podcasts and we're one of them? Like, how did that happen? I have no explanation other than the universe needed us to talk to James Rollins that day. He was so, so sweet. And I just like, I loved the phone ringing. It cracked me up. Um, So that's one of my funniest moments. Uh, The other one I loved was when Carol Goodman Carol getting her book for us. Yeah. Like the book that she wrote when she was like seven or eight or something like that. And you could tell the best thing about this is, you know, she did interviews all the way the rest of us do where she only thought she'd be seen from like here up. So she runs up and we see her shorts and Carol's running off. And I'm just like, this is the best thing ever. I know she was so cute. She's like, Oh my gosh, I forgot. I was, I'm only in a zoom shirt. Didn't matter. Shorts. I know it was like, and also summer. She it was summer. It. it was it was a humanizing thing that she kept this thing that was personal to her, and I just yeah. thought that was amazing. Yeah. And I just I love that she kept that. I mean, I think the other thing that I was so happy to see was I think it was Deborah K. Shepard when she brought her box of book. Yeah. When, when we learned that her book that she as now a a full time author as a retired professor had originally queried a jillion years ago got it sent back and she just kept it in the box and the box moved from closet to closet. And then afterwards she wasn't going to write anything. And then was basically like, yeah, maybe, maybe I will do something with that. And then recrafted it. And who knows what the original form was, but to have like original box of book was just, it was so great. (laughs) Like these are the moments I just feel like we're so lucky that people are sharing them with us. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know. When I get interviewed by other people, because I've been on other shows, I feel like I get asked a lot of good questions. And maybe it's me as an author, and I don't know how to answer in a way that feels as raw and just honest. And maybe some of it's just, I'm still so new that there are so many things that's like, there are things in you and I both know this, there are things that we aren't able to share, not just your project, you can't tell what it is right now, things that have happened, things hurt, hurts and heartbreaks we've gone through. But there are people who are able to, I, I mean, I think Diane Zinna, the reason one of her stuff stuck with me was she walked through the whole process she had from she'd gotten signed with an agent, got it, got a book deal with an editor. The editor left, wasn't going to be in the same genre, got passed off to nobody for a while. Then another editor who made her basically tear up the book. Mm. She did everything she could. And then the editor's still like, meh, don't want it. And mm. Diane was just like, what do I do here? And that just spoke so much to me because one of the things, and I'm in, I don't know if everybody knows what a Slack is. I'm still learning Slack and discord. Are they different? I don't know. I know. I think they're, they are different, but they're the same, but they do the same thing. So, I mean, it's like Instagram and Twitter are very different and they don't do the same thing, but Slack and, and a discord are basically the same thing. I'm in a Slack full of agented, agented authors on submission. And there's so much talk about, no one talks about this stuff. No one talks about it. And a lot of it is because we're all sitting out here going, we don't want to upset the publishing industry. We just want to get our book deal. We will say and do anything 
and just sit quietly and wait till our number comes up and hope it's a good one and hope that we get something. And nobody talks about this stuff. So you don't hear, yeah, this person got their book deal. It's their sixth novel and their third agent. No one says that. It's like there's this myth out there that you query, you get an agent, you get a book deal. It's just boom, boom, boom. And it's a a line like this. And that's just, it's not. It's a line that's like. It's a roller coaster. It's and, a drunk line. Yeah. And I, and I've heard, you know, and so Diane's story was so inspirational. Um, Sarah Langan yes. also had an inspirational story because I love her. I've read again, all of her books. Yeah, you read, knew her before good neighbors. Yes. So I read, uh, the missing, the keeper and Audrey's door loved them, but that was, you know, 10 plus years ago and they all did really well. And she, won the Bram Stoker award. Like Mm -hmm. she, it's not like she was this unknown author, Mm -hmm. but you know, for whatever reason, her third book, Audrey's door didn't do as well as people wanted it to. The projections. Yes. So again, like hearing like these people who I, I completely idolize and have always idolized for like, as long as I can remember, like since the first time I like read a Sarah Langan book, I was just like, I love it so much. Um, to hear that it, like the struggle still happens Mm -hmm. and that like, you know, she kind of like fought through the muck of it and then she wrote good neighbors, which is amazing. Amazing people who are watching this good neighbors is Amazon sold out of good neighbors at one point in time. That's how, you know, a book is hitting the right. (laughs) Pretty good. Um, so yeah, like hearing stories like that, um, I heard stories like that from Paul Tremblay too. His first two books were crime fiction. Then there was, he, he also is another author who went through a period where he said, I just don't think I can write anymore. Like, I'm like so brokenhearted about the whole business of it. Well, and you remember. And then, and then he wrote Head Full of Ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> and well, Stephen and King were, said, I love this book. And sometimes that's all it takes is Stephen King saying, I love this and you're set. Yeah. <laughs> like you'd hope. Well, and I think it was, was it May Cobb who basically she'd been dealing with writer's block and her husband's like, you got to write something. And she wasn't really working on a novel before that. She was working on something that was like a nonfiction project. And then this happened and just exploded. And it's like a book pick for all these things. And you can't go anywhere without seeing the lipsticks and the bullets. And I just, I love that color. Uh, So that's the hunting wives. That's the hunting wives. If you haven't already seen that, or if you see us in our, in our sunglasses, that's when we're doing our, our Margot Banks realness. Oh my gosh, Margot Banks terrible villain shares my birthday <laughs> well and i would just say i feel like so many of the guests we've had have stories like that where it's so rare where i feel like we've talked to somebody who it's like yes i just showed up and wrote a book and then they just handed me a book deal i mean that's happened a couple times there have been a few where we go wow that everything seemed to line up really quickly for you and that's that's amazing <laughs> and that's amazing that's the fairy tale and that's, that's why tale. we all believe in it <laughs> Because like, it does occasionally happen. It, it does, does occasionally happen. happen. Uh, there was uh, one of the authors that I connected to through, I think it was a Discord, not a Slack, was one where they signed with their agent and they were off on auction before like the ink was even dry with signing with their agent and then saw, signed a multi-book deal. And that is amazing. And that is so rare. And I don't know if the author knows that her story is completely 
just the outlier that don't even don't even bother putting it in with your data because it'll just mess up the rest of your results and break the computer as it tries to grok. I know, and it's just no. like this is the average book mm-hmm. deal a debut author gets. Oh, it's okay. So sometimes this happens where Jen's phone decides it doesn't want to talk to her anymore. She told me to take a shot while she was gone. If this happened, and she'll be back in a minute, so I'm going to take my shot because I follow directions. But I was going to say. Hello, welcome back. Hello. Hi. I say, we even we even had this conversation a little bit with Josh Mallerman, where it's like he broke through. So the idea between your breakout novel and your debut novel, they are not the same thing. Not and I think the same, same thing, thing is the case with with Sean Cosby, who also has been writing for years. And the world treats you like you just got teleported down from the heavens on a certain day and haven't been pounding the pavement and writing and perfecting your craft for years. Yes. before before the world takes notice. I mean, uh, Sean, Sean especially, he he did a post the I think a couple weeks ago, like about razor blade tears, mm-hmm. and he's in the post. It was something like I've it's been twenty seven years since I got published. Like his first story was published twenty seven years, and now everyone and he doesn't look a day over thirty. So that's he doesn't. That's really, he's a prodigy. No. I'm like I, I just like I want to know your skin regime. <laughs> um, it, it's proof that like sometimes. You can drink bourbon and st- I was age say, bad. So I drink more and because most of his stories are involved on. So my friend and I were doing this thing and then we were at this bar. But you know, he didn't actually say he was drinking at the bar. I think he was just hanging out sometimes. Just hanging out. Just hanging That's out. Cool. Um, but he's like, people are talking about Sean like he's a, a brand new author. An overnight sensation. Overnight sensation. And, in, and no, he's not. And, and I don't know whether that does... I don't know. I'm sure in some ways it's like yay for the attention, but in other ways it belittles all the hard work that went to get there. Um, And it is work. And it is is work. And I think the other thing is, and I I like to lie about my age, it's fun, but the idea that like, oh, well, if you don't break through by a certain point in time, or if you don't immediately get a book deal, it's too late for you. And look, if you're still alive, if you're still able to continue to write books, there's no retirement age. I mean, there are probably some authors we wish would retire. Doesn't work that way. Yeah. But there's no um, uh, Lily saying that's the weirdest thing. I was around. For, I was around for four years before the Coven Princess and hitting USA Today. So it's definitely a strange thing to have people talking. This new author, like we haven't been working for years. Exactly, yeah. Lily. Lily's correct because that's that's definitely true. And sometimes it's the difference between, like, for example. When we both first got published, we were published with a small press, and then we are currently looking for having something that's going to have a wider distribution and a bigger reach, and have also been handling books on our own, and all those have different levels of visibility. And I know that makes a big difference, that you could have 20 books sitting over there, but if the world doesn't really know about you, you might as well not have any books sitting over there. Not that they are maybe reaching some people and they weren't getting some reviews and it's just as valid you know so like i went to school for theater and i remember my professors would always say art is art and genius is genius it can happen in a classroom for five people it can happen on the big screen and you can win an oscar but like is this an adam driver reference no it's not but oh but it should but we haven't mentioned adam driver yet this we were due so (laughs) So I feel like Adam Driver would say, <laughs> um, but, but no, you're, but you're completely right. Talent, like an it doesn't matter. It's not less than. No, definitely. Definitely not. It's really just more about whether those people who are putting you on list for awards and getting the bestseller list, if they just even know you exist, because if you're writing an amazing book, but just don't have the reach, people aren't going to know 
that it's out there. And, you know, sometimes as an indie author, that gets frustrating because you're like, hey, would you read my book? And sometimes those people who have the, the industry behind them, those are the ones that are picked up first and read first because there's this implied, well, it has the stamp of approval. But I know so many indie authors right now who they never even tried to go traditional because they said, okay, I'm looking at those stories. I'm looking at that time frame, and I don't really want to wait six years for this story to hit because yeah. I have more stories to tell and I don't want to be told in six years to go back and revise this book. And maybe exactly. it means that I'm, I'm closing myself off from that giant book deal, but that doesn't necessarily mean they won't end up making as much money in the long run because they're persistent and they'll have a, an extensive back catalog. And I know that over the past year, I've connected with so many amazing indie authors and just, I love the writing community and have been able to read and review books for some of these amazing authors. And most of them I know never did go through the query trenches because they said, well, what's, what's the point? It, but there's, yeah. there's also like um, an amazing amount of people who are now like our bigger names, bigger names in their, in their genres. And they have, they've done it all. Mm-hmm. They've self-published, they've small press published with really small print runs. They have film deals. They have an agent and that that's shopping something else. So I think like we're in a new age of what being an author even means yeah and what it looks like and and it's not it's not one size fits all and i think that's that a lot of that has just changed as the industry has changed and as the way people are able to access books has changed because 20 heck 10 years ago i mean i don't i don't know my dates very well but i will say that when i was growing up the idea of being an author was a one size fits all thing because there were no things like Amazon and the internet. I am older than the internet, really. I am older than the internet. So the idea of like, Hey, you have, where are you going to get your book? You're going to go to whatever bookstore and those bookstores are all now closed. Thank you very much. Because they were B Dalton's and they were in the malls. Walden books. Exactly. Walden books. books. I would be going to Walden books and looking and and running off with everything there or whatever you could get at your scholastic book fair. Book fairs. Um, I got the the bag of books in the month. And it's so funny because I see a lot of bookstagrammers do like their, their unboxing of their book of the month club. And I'm like, book boxes. Oh, wait, I like those because I'm thinking of the bags I got as a kid. Yeah. That used <laughs> to like come with like a horse yeah. poster. A horse poster or some stickers. Uh, I know I got some random cookbooks in there, like ice cream treats from A to Z. Because, you know, kids really shouldn't be doing a lot of flame cooking. Yeah. Unsupervised I remember I got like cream. a sewing book. It was like 50 pillows you can make. And How many like, pillows did you make? None. Oh, okay. <laughs> None. I made one that was like mandatory in my sewing class, but otherwise, not for you. No, I mean, my book bag was filled with like choose your own adventure novels and like weird, like R.L. Stein kind of horror mysteries. But when we were younger, you had to go to a store. There was no online Mm -hmm. option for you to discover everything out there and just focus on your genre or have things like an algorithm which suggests books. Hey, if you liked so and so, maybe you might like this other thing. And most of those are ads anyway, but you know, they're usually targeted ads to people who might like mm-hmm. a book like the book you read. And all those things didn't exist exist when we were little. So it just opens up so many more doors. And so many of the authors we've talked to would be considered hybrid, which yeah. they aren't that does not mean they are part solar. That would be great. I photosynthesize. That would um, be awesome. That would be awesome if we could do that. Like, like we would save so much time if I didn't have to like cook food. If you could just photosynthesize. 
Yeah, it's soaking in the sun. But like, look how pale I am. I would be <laughs> you would be sunburned in a day. You'd be a dead house plant. You can't <laughs> I would just be like, no, <sighs> beet red. Yeah, so it would, it would not work for you. But but yeah, I mean, I think so many authors do that partially because they know that there's there's a market for their bigger books, and then some other markets that might do just as well as an indie. And once your name is out there, all of it helps. So I know we've had authors come on who are like, yeah, my back order or my, my back catalog is now being re-released because now I'm more well-known and now there's a bigger demand for it. So those things do kind of change. Um, I was in a, a meeting a, like a few days ago for um, a literary convention that I'm on the board for. New England Crime Bake, everybody. I love that name. Um, it makes me hungry. So it's amazing. <laughs> um, but we just somehow got onto the subject of backlist mm-hmm. and... Um, Paula Munier, who is my agent, is also on the committee. And I think she said 2020, like her stats were crazy. I'm going to make them up right now. They're not. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Not real The actual stats. (laughs) It was like 50% of the books that were published in 2020 were actually re-releases for backlist. Oh, wow. How much of that though was because there was such a demand? Because this is the thing I heard about the pandemic was it was not a good year for debut authors, so not so good for us. But it was great for established authors because so many people were like, I want to read, and there was an increased demand for authors people already knew, like it's a comfort food. So they're not necessarily yeah. willing to try something new, but they will go back to, hey, I have exactly read that. It, yeah. You know, we talked about that because it was just like, and a lot of authors have, their career has spanned many, many years. They have mm-hmm. books that are now out of print. They have publishers that don't even exist anymore they've had to like fight tooth and nail sometimes to get their books back Mm. and then they have their current publisher who's like we can re-release this people are hot to buy every single thing you've ever written and i love that because i think it's given a lot of people um like their early books not their breakout books their Mm. debuts the one that came before yep like a new and I think life. some of that, That's it goes so back good. to having like the internet available as opposed to only having a brick and mortar store. Because I know during the pandemic, I stayed out of stores that didn't give me canned goods and food as much as possible because I wanted to hide from coronavirus. Now I'm vaccinated. But before, but just around that time, um, like right after I'd gotten vaccinated, still wore my mask, I needed to go to a Barnes and Noble because my eldest child needed some magazines for a project which was just kind of a random thing, but I'm like, we don't get any magazines. I guess I'm going to go buy you some. And I couldn't find them at the drugstore, which I thought would have them. So here I have to go to Barnes and Noble to go buy them. So I thought I'd go visit my friends. <laughs> so I'm going around and I'm wandering through the fiction sections, looking for authors that I've gotten to meet through here, or I know on, on like Slack. So like people, what the, one of the discords I'm in is people who share my agent. So I'm looking at their books and taking pictures of yeah. their books for them. Like, hi, I know you in sort of person, kind of real life. And I'm doing all that. But I saw so few books that I know only came out within the last year. And you realize that their shelf space is so limited yeah. that things like, hey, having the backlist, there's just no room for that. But when you can make it available online, you can bring all of that out again. And yeah. I'm going to cough, sorry. <laughs> That's bourbon, not Corona. Yeah. It's just, just, it's a booze cough, everybody. It's, it's a booze cough. cough. It's a booze cough. It's a booze cough. I it's feel like booze. I should have a fake cigarette where I'm like, it's just a booze You're cough. You're asthmatic. You can't have a fake, you can't even have a bubblegum cigarette. 
<laughs> I knew when um when I worked at the dance studio, we did a lot mm-hmm. of theme parties, and we did a lot of like 1920s theme parties and Mad Men. Oh yeah, we did a Mad Men party. So there are <laughs> cigarettes that look real, like that has like when when you like blow on it, it blows out like a little bit of like talcum powder, and it has like a little yeah. red burning ember. Nice. Um. I feel like there's a lot of pictures of me just being like, look how cool I look. I don't, I don't look cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't look cool. I'm like, am I holding this right? Well, and I just, I would just say with all these authors that now have their backlists out, it just means people can read more of what they enjoy. And I think that's amazing because I think some of the complaints that I hear about the industry is that the gatekeepers are so narrow that so few things get through that there's some amazing things lying around that don't make it through enough of the hurdles. And so if some of those backlist items get back there and get seen and get read and get loved, everybody can have like these amazing quirky books that are just like that again, and we're going to circle back before we end, uh, like that don't necessarily fit into a genre where it's like, like, what is this? What am I reading? I love it, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. And some of my favorite ones I've learned, experimental fiction is kind of where things fall sometimes where it's like, is this literary? Has this lost? Is it surreal? Has this lost the thread entirely? Nobody really knows what's going on. And I would say one of, one of my favorite interviews we did was with David Bergerard, who was the one that I stalked, but I didn't really mean to stalk him because I literally just found the book on my cloud library app because that's how I avoided Corona during things is not going to the library and be able to download things that way. And I think I must have read it over our hiatus over winter break because I, otherwise there's no way I would have been looking for another book. Right. And I just loved it so much that I happened to tag him on Twitter that I just love this book. And then he DM'd me and Jen's like, he DM'd you? Get him for the show. And I'm like, I can do that? I'm like, and, yes. And you're like, yes, you can do that. I didn't, I don't know. I'm not one of the producers. I don't, I don't bring on any guests. I just, I'm like, as long as we have a free date. Exactly. It's you know, like. like and then it was by my birthday. I'm going, oh, happy birthday to me. And it was, oh, it was. I love, I didn't, I feel like I didn't put two and two together that it was close that it was to your my birthday. birthday. It was, yes. Because uh, we had Paul Tremblay for my birthday. <laughs> and <laughs> I think perfect. when I stalked him, I said, we have <laughs> August 19th free. It's the next day birthday. is my birthday. Also my book birthday. So All like, of you would be a great present to me from me. And he was like, and uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Treat yourself right there. Treat yourself. Yes. Yeah. And, and I didn't expect when I was tagging him on Twitter that he, I mean, look, there are authors that I respond to and that I tag and who ignore me 100% completely. I had no reason to think this wouldn't be more of the same. Um, but again, his story, one of like, Hey, small press first and then a big, big one. And, and then last I heard the book that he was working on didn't have a home yet. And so it's like, yeah, there's, there are no guarantees. There are no certainties in this business that one book will lead to anything else or that, you know, one book that doesn't do well, doesn't close a door either. It's just all kind of, Hey, where does it go? I don't know. The industry keeps changing and you just go, okay, I will just do my best to keep writing. Yep. Just keep writing. And I feel like this is why authors drink. (laughs) Yeah. It's also why some of us take stress relief gummies. Do you know they make those? I feel like I feel like people watching this are going to think that Allison is 
talking about pot gummies, but she's not. No, they're not. No, they're no, not. They, they are, I will, they're nature's bounty or something like that. Like valerian maybe. root gummies. You know, I thought they were going to have valerian in them, but they don't. They have like GABA and like, I want to say saffron, maybe? Oh, I don't know. It yeah. tastes okay. I, I've only... Gateway. Gateway mood. I was a saffron's a gateway to eating delicious food. I know. Now <laughs> I'm like, oh, I should eat saffron rice tonight. Well, it's like when you see turmeric in the in the aisle of supplements. I'm going, can't can't I just eat that? And ginger. I just, people take ginger. I'm like, and yeah. garlic. These are all just foods. Just eat them. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. So yeah, turmeric is great for anti-inflammatory and it's also really yeah, good for, for headaches. Yeah. But, like I love yellow mustard. So I'll just like down a few teaspoons of that. Like sad hobo style, right in front of the open fridge. Well, I've heard people do like, oh, apple cider vinegar is so good for you, and then they're taking apple cider caplets, and I'm like, I do take the caplets. Just make a bottle, and you can just no. I can't taste it. Um, it's one like of the it. things I don't like to taste, but it's I do take strong. the pills. It is strong. It's I don't mind I like flavors. Once if we're at the hour mark, and now we've like just gone to like food talk, <laughs> foods and gummies. Sorry, so foods and gummies. But uh, I just for the I think record, that's what we should probably wrap wrap it up. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. Well, because usually we're trying to like, okay, we need to be considerate to our guest. And I know with the least with the least Josh Mellerman, we were like, Josh, you have a plane to catch, so we're gonna let you go to bed. I know he was our <laughs> longest show to date. It was like yes. an hour and almost twenty minutes. But we would have gone on forever with him if we could have. We would have. And I, I would have said, can we pause this for me to finish reading your book? Because for people who may not have heard the story, he was supposed to be on us on a Wednesday. That's when our show airs. And we ended up having to move him to the Sunday before because he was going to be going. To, what, what festival was it? Sundance? Um, no, no, it wasn't it was festival. Sundance. It Tribeca? was Tribeca. Okay. So the first movie his company produced was debuting at the Tribeca Film Festival. And he was just like, I think I can do it from New York, but I don't know. And I was like, I he wouldn't have known. Yeah, he wouldn't have known what events he would have needed to be at. No. We wouldn't have and honestly, I saw it. his pictures from New York. He was having the <laughs> best, most drunkest time ever. So hey, that I'm, could have been a fun interview too, but that still. Would have been great. <laughs> um, but no, we had him on on a Sunday. Oh, and Andy says, Yellow mustard is the best. I dunk a lot of food in it. Or just now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> yeah. No, but 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 Josh came on and we had to move him to Sunday then and I know since he was new to me, I made sure that I read um, uh, A House at the Bottom of the Lake, Unbury Carol. I watched Bird Box for the first time because those, those kind of movies are too scary and intense for me. So I watched it just for the show. It was a great movie, but I, I'm like, I will watch it for the show like, like this. And then I started reading Goblin. And I probably would have gotten done with it, but now, but then we, we moved it to Sunday. Mm -hmm. So I only got through the first couple stories. Same. I I read everything else. So I was like, you're good. Fine. I was fine. You knew your, you knew your Mellerman inside out. I I knew. I was still, I mean, I knew the ducks. I knew the books. (laughs) That's it. You knew all that stuff. Ducks and books. On that note, we should call it a night. Um, Allison, how much fun is this? I like it. I feel like when the Adam Driver movie Annette premieres, when it like, when it's it? released, oh god, could we live stream it? If it's like on like I HBO think, Max, I think it's I think it's only in theaters. So I'm gonna have to drag one of my local friends with me because I can't drag you across the entire country to a movie. I mean, I 
feel like I don't know when it's coming out, but I don't know either because it's a cans right now. So it's a cans, so it could be. It, who knows? Once we figure out a date of when that comes out, I'm not saying I won't fly to California. <laughs> I'll be ready for you. If, but you have to promise me if I do fly to California that we get tickets to it two times at two different theaters because you know the first time we are getting kicked out of the we're getting theater. kicked out. We're getting we kicked out. Fully. So it could actually even be two different cities. Probably there are a lot we of cities around here, so we it's easy. So if like if Orange PD removes us or Vine PD, I feel like yeah, I feel like the police won't remove us, but definitely the staff yeah. would remove us, and that would be a great live episode of Vox <laughs> We need like body cams yes. of us dragged out. I know because I like scream sob through an entire movie where Adam Driver like sings and rides a motorcycle. He sings doing other things too. I know. I've read that article like <laughs> I'm not allowed times. to talk about that. I'm this like, is a family friendly ish show. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Adam Driver sings a duet. Oh, it's a duet? It's a duet. I did some more research. I will just say he sings while doing something Batman won't. <laughs> I'm just like, well, the people who are only listening to it on audio won't see that I just like did a hand motion towards areas he Just visits three. the southern region southern yes it's a southern <laughs> while singing yep yep at least cheers again to you vixens this is this is as good a way to any to fit to finish cheers again to you vixens and here's to many many more wonderful interviews to come from elisa von Schulman. thank um, you elisa and i love that so next week speaking of amazing interviews we have joe lansdale which is, I just like got chills because again, that's like a crazy thing that's happening in our life. I'm going to go watch Bubba Hotep to prep. Oh I was, I'm actually reading his book too, but I'm, I'm going to I'm, re- I'm reading Moonlight, but I, I feel like Bubba Hotep needs a, another rewatch. So can we dress you. up like different Elvises? <gasps> I don't know how to dress up like an Elvis. <laughs> I know. I was like, how would I do that? But we could also dress up like um, an Egyptian mummy. Or how about JFK? I just do big eyeliner? If you can do that, that's pretty much all I could manage. <laughs> all right. So next week, Joe Lansdale, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Other times during Mountain and Central. I can't keep those straight. So sorry to those people. Um, figure it out yourself. Get on your phone. Get an app. Yeah. I know, but like I never understood. Like I guess Mountain. I know we're three apart, so it's just a matter of. Where yeah. they fall in the middle. Yeah. They'll find it. They'll find us. And there's always a replay, and the replay shows up everywhere, including YouTube. So go on YouTube, type in Vox Vomitus, you'll find all of our episodes. Yes. And if you're new to the show, please go back and rewatch um, some of our highlights, <laughs> our funny moments, our touching moments. Um, thank you once again to all of the guests who we've had on the show. Without you, we would just be Allison and I drinking. <laughs> it would Very be this show. show. It would be this. What just happened today? Every week, and we while we're work. charming in small doses. <laughs> this is not how it should be full full time. Yeah. This is this is a this yeah. is an oops all berries episode. <laughs> um. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, the guests. Um, thank you to all of our viewers because of all of you. We are the number one rated video podcast 
for the Global Authors on the Air Network. So we love that. We love you. Thank you to Roman, my husband and our producer. Thank you to Pam Stack, who is our executive producer. Thank you to everybody at the Global Authors on the Air Radio Network. This has been a copywritten podcast, and we will see you all next week when we are chatting with Joe Lansdale. Bye.